Welcome to the Northbrook NextGen Podcast. A podcast created to help the next generation and the parents and influencers who love them. And now on to today's show. Hey friends, welcome back to the Northbrook NextGen Podcast. I'll be today's host, John Malstead, pastor of student ministries here at Northbrook. And today I am so excited for you to hear my conversation with Jenny Heckman. Jenny Heckman is a licensed professional counselor for the past 10 years. Uh, She owns and runs a counseling practice in Brookfield, Wisconsin, seeing individuals, couples, and families. She's also my counselor, so I can personally vouch uh, for how excellent she is in what she does. She's also been married for 31 years to her husband, Mark, and they have four adult children ranging in age from 22 to 27. Before going into counseling, uh, Jenny was also in pastoral ministry for 19 years, and she brings a ton of wisdom uh, for today's topic, uh, mental health in our students. And so whether you are a parent and you are looking for advice on how to keep uh, your child uh, mentally healthy, or whether you have a child that's struggling and you're looking for some advice, I think you're going to find my conversation with, with Jenny super helpful. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Jenny Heckman. Well, Jenny, uh, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so excited uh, that you are here. And you were at the top of my list when I started thinking of uh, guests that we could bring to the Next Gen podcast. And you're actually the first guest that we're having on the Northbrook Next Gen podcast. So I am so excited. I'm excited to be with you. Awesome. Um, Now, a lot of Northbrookers may recognize your name. Uh, You've spoken on the weekend at Northbrook, and uh, you've been a part of one of our leadership pipeline nights. That was just excellent. Um, And I know you've done some other events for our children's ministry and other ministries. But um, and you're also you're also my counselor, and I'm I'm so thankful for the work that you've done with me. Um, But if if for those that don't really know you, what are what are a few fun facts uh, about Jenny Heckman? Well, I'll probably start with two, two of the most important ones to me. They are completely unrelated. Um, but one is my husband and I both are UW Wisconsin grads, so Badgers, and all four of my kids as well. And uh, so we're real snobs about <laughs> UW-Madison. Um, and the one and only dog we ever had was named Bucky. Nice. Um, Yes. So we're kind of cult followers that way. And then the second, well, it's a boring fact, but is that I'm in bed and asleep by about 855 every night. Wow. Yes. Safe to say you're a morning person. I am a morning person. Uh Uh-huh. Me too. Me too. Not in bed by nine, but a morning person. Awesome. Well, again, I'm so excited uh, to have you on the podcast. Um, A number of years ago, I began to um, just notice that it seemed like mental health in teenagers and young people was trending in a concerning direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was before a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so now um, I'm curious. So I guess let's start with um, what are some of the trends and observations that you have of where uh, teenagers, um, young children are, are mentally coming out of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. 
It's a great question. And actually, I had to brush up on what the latest statistics are coming out of this because there are some of the first, the first, I mean, certainly we don't have any longitudinal studies, but some of the early studies that there are um, are being released now. And so there's many things that we're, we're learning. And the prediction is that most likely over the next three years, we're going to see the needs of adolescents in particular uh, stay quite high regarding mental health. Um, so that might be something interesting for, for people to hear. But so far, what we know, and keep in mind, not all of this is just related to the United States. Some of this is related to kids and adolescents globally. But the biggest things that we're seeing would be at, uh, increased prevalence in anxiety and depression, and not just situational anxiety and depression, which would be pretty normal, uh, but those things tend to be short-lived and resolved quickly. But these are clinically significant um, prevalences of anxiety and depression. What's interesting is that this is more so true for older ad adolescents than for children. Okay. And there's different reasons for that. And we'll get into that in a minute. And certainly it appears higher for females than for males. So that increased prevalence in clinical levels of anxiety and depression appear to be the biggest things coming out of the pandemic. Other things that we're learning is that during the pandemic, but it also appears that what's most concerning is that these are continuing trends. Self-harm behaviors have increased, eating disorders have increased, and ER visits and urgent care visits for mental health among adolescents has increased. Wow. Some people, we, you know, we ask a lot of questions. I love what you said earlier that even before the pandemic, you were noticing trends and those trends certainly paired with the pandemic were part of the reason that we are where we are. But one of the things that happened during the pandemic that was really the perfect storm and again, much more for adolescents, more so for adolescents than children, is keep in mind that adolescents, you know this because you work with them, developmentally and brain-wise, these kids are wired for social connection. It's the first time they're beginning to differentiate and separate from their parents and really gravitate towards, towards their peers. Yeah. It's also such a crucial time in their identity development, which often takes place in different social activities, not just even athletics, but different groups that they engage in hobbies, they try new interests, um, explore new things about themselves in, in those kinds of social groups and extracurricular activities. So with the pandemic, their social isolation was by far the biggest issue for them, probably the biggest impact. And the loss of peer support 
certainly the loss of supports in the community, things that in, in particular kids that were already high risk lost the ability to go to those places and people in person that were their support. So all those buffers were gone. And then the rapid adaptation that they were required to take on, especially in terms of, of schooling, those would be the things that created the perfect storm. And then you add to that already those kids that had pre-existing everything. So kids that come out of socially and economically disadvantaged um, homes and communities, job losses parents were facing, deaths of family members and friends due to COVID, um, all those, all those pre-existing things and then the unique things that the pandemic brought. It really was a perfect storm for what we're seeing now. Wow. So one, one thing I'm curious about, what, what role do you think social media and um, technology is, is playing uh, in the anxiety, the depression that we're seeing? Or is it playing a role? It is playing a very significant role. And if you're, if you're good with it, it's probably helpful to talk about, because there's just no, I guess there's no way we can talk about this without talking about what was happening before the pandemic. And then the pandemic made, made that worse. Yeah. Um, but, and then we'll get back to some other cultural things as well. But one of the things that we've known about technology and social media, in particular with children, but really with adolescents specifically, is that the more time they spend on it, there's a number of things that happen. Their ability to empathize with other people, their ability to read social cues in other people decreases, uh, their ability to know how to be conversational. I mean, many of them are anxious about even making a phone call. Um, those kinds of skills decrease the higher the technology use. But by far, the single biggest problem is what we, what we are now calling the monetizing of identity, image, and being an influencer. Yeah, wow. That has increased so much over the pandemic. I mean, TikTok became a thing yeah. in the pandemic. Yeah. So adolescents who are looking to be already unique, create an identity, things like TikTok and um, Instagram and all those other things became their primary and only way, not only of being connected, but of building their identity and, and their uniqueness. But I think this is really personal, this is personal thought here, but there are certainly more thinkers and scholars that I'm surrounding myself with that are, that are really supporting this thought is that it's not those things in and of themselves that are the problem, but it's the, it's the degree to which those things become a priority. And in particular, that if you do not have a brand in your identity, your image, you're not an influencer, you are a nobody. And that is having, in terms of depression, anxiety, 
suicide, feelings of meaninglessness and purposelessness, that would be, that would be it. Wow. Yeah, I definitely think I, I see that working with teenagers. So I, I completely believe that's definitely a problem. Okay. So if that's, if that's kind of the downside, what are, what are some positive things, uh, other things that parents can encourage their children, their teenagers to do that would help, help their mental health? Yeah. And parents are asking this a lot. And I, I tell parents that I think some parents have to give themselves more credit for what they actually have available to them, even with just within their own personalities and kind of right under their noses. What I'm finding is that parents, and understandably so, they themselves are very anxious about their, their kids and their teenagers' mental health. But there's some really practical, right under our noses things that we can be doing to help our kids. And, you know, the small handful of them, which again, don't seem very mental health related, but they're extremely practical, is number one, to make sure that parents are getting face-to-face with their kids. And that can be around the dinner table. It can be around going for a walk. It could be driving somewhere in the car, but enough face-to-face time in conversation, hanging out, even if it's hanging out in silence, being face-to-face in person with your kids is vital. Also getting moving and getting out in nature is one of the most important things parents can do with their kids as well. And that could even just be a walk around the neighborhood. You don't have to go to a state park or anything like that. But we know getting kids outside, getting their bodies moving, exercise and being out in nature helps a lot as well. The other thing is I tell parents all the time, you really have to embrace awkwardness and embrace not being a very cool parent. (laughs) And that involves not being afraid to put limits on technology and having your kids be angry at you. The older kids get you know, into late adolescence, early adulthood, ultimately we want kids to learn how to monitor their own use of technology. But especially during this time, parents really checking in, not micromanaging, not being overly controlling, but helping their kids and their teenagers with their technology use is important. And then one of the other things I tell parents all the time is we wanna be modeling life-affirming behavior in how we care for ourselves and how we treat other people. And that's key. And maybe we can come back to that at some point in the podcast as well. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I know that I always feel better after I go for a run outside or um, get outside in nature. So it completely, completely makes sense. Um, What are what are some questions that parents can ask their kids if they're, if they're concerned about their mental health or are there some questions they can ask their teenagers um, to kind of gauge where they're at in their mental health? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing though that I'm going to say, and, and this is coming from a parent who did not do it well. And we know that therapist children have sometimes higher levels of anxiety than children of non-therapists, because we bring our own anxiety, we know too much information. 
So probably one of the biggest things is, is before you ask any question, make sure that as a parent, you have your own anxiety or fretfulness about your kid somewhat under control. Otherwise, it tends to exacerbate kids' anxiety about themselves. One of my kids said during the pandemic, mom, your anxiety about my anxiety is creating anxiety oh that's worse than before. So you get the, you get the point. This is yeah. what I mean. Don't do what I've, what I've done. Um, but some of the, the best questions are just something really casual along the lines of, hey, I just want to check in with you. How are you doing? Yeah. What's been most difficult for you? What's been the most surprising? What are you, what are you noticing about yourself and others? Just general check-in questions. The other thing that's very helpful is just simply observation. And again, parents have to be willing to, to welcome the awkward and maybe have their kids be a little annoyed with them, but it's worth it. Just to observe, notice something along the lines of, hey, I notice that you still seem yourself. I haven't seen you smile in a long time. Or you seem to be really withdrawn. What's going on? How can I help? So it's observing and not being afraid to ask some questions of curiosity about what, what we're observing. And then I, I also say the final thing is normalizing mental health needs from parents is so important. And even being able to share, you know, appropriately, if, if a parent has their own mental health needs, being able to share, I've, I've been there too, this is what's helped, but normalizing that this isn't a shameful experience, this doesn't mean that you're going to be going down a trajectory of helplessness the rest of your life, those can be really beautiful things, gifts to give, give our kids as well. Yeah, that's that's so good. I, I remember when I came to Northbrook and uh, Pastor Mike talked about some of his um, mental health challenges. That was the first time I'd heard someone in a Christian circle kind of admit that it was okay to struggle. And that was, that was huge for me. Um, and I didn't know it at the time, but that would be huge years later when I went through some of my own mental health challenges, just to know I wasn't the only person. So. Yep. I had that same experience for myself as well. Yeah. Okay, good. So if a parent thinks, um, you know, after, after talking or observing that their child or their teenager um, isn't doing very well, and, you know, maybe they need to seek professional help, um, what, but they're, maybe they're on the fence about it, you know, is it, you know, I hate mm -hmm. to say bad enough. What are, what are some of the signs um, or what are some of the, the ways parents can discern if it's time to seek professional help or not? Yes, great, great question. Uh, I, I'd say the big list, well, not, it's not a big list. It's actually a small list of core things. Things like increasing isolation. Okay. Now, every adolescent it seems to seek isolation. And during the pandemic, I mean, my goodness, when their social supports are only available through technology, Isolating from their parents in their house probably did need to increase to some degree. But what I will say is kids who are spending hours in their room or in a basement, uh, that is, that's not normal behavior. 
So, but increasing signs of isolation would be one of the indicators that perhaps um, your, your kid is, is struggling. The other thing that I added to the list is I just simply call it brooding. You know, where you, you can just kind of see that your kid is, they're in their head a lot. You can see it on their face. Um, their mood also becomes a little bit more irritable. And I, you know, every, every adolescent is irritable. Um, but when this becomes more of a pervasive mood, anger and irritability, and there's nothing that's differentiating that mood other times of the day or, or the evening. Certainly things like loss of self-care, uh, even kids who aren't showering for five days, difficult to get them to do the basic self-care things like eating, drinking water, brushing your teeth, sleep hygiene, you know, increasing measures of that would be an indicator. Um, any dis big disruption in sleep or appetite we'd wanna take pretty seriously. And then also increased in risk-taking behavior. And some of this is also done on social media, which is why it's important that parents can have an agreement with their teenager that because we love you and care about you, we are going to randomly be checking um, what, what you're looking at on social media. But that would be the handful of things that I would say would indicate there might be some other things going on. Yeah, that's good. And so if a parent uh, decides that they do want to get um, their child help, like what, what are some of the first steps if they're like, I don't even know what to do or where to go? Mm -hmm. uh, what, what would that look like? First thing I'm telling parents these days is be patient because the needs have exceeded the resources, but it is worth continuing to advocate and worth waiting to get in to, to see somebody. Uh, so, but, but patience is key. Sometimes going to your pediatrician or family doctor is one of the best first places to start because often they have resources that they can get their, their patient connected to a little bit more efficiently and effectively. The other thing is if, if an adolescent may need to be treated even short term with medication, there is no reason they can, they have to go to a psychiatrist. Most of the time you can go directly to your pediatrician or family doctor to take a look at that too. But oftentimes the family doctor and pediatrician is a wonderful place to start. There's also local organizations. Uh, the organization is called NAMI, N-A-M-I, which is the National Alliance for Mental Illness. It is excellent. And they have local chapters in almost every county. They are a wonderful resource for referrals, groups, uh, and just resources of all kinds. Everything is free of charge. And, and they're very, very easy to locate uh, online as well. Um, they, they make sure that they're easy to access. There's another good uh, resource. It's called the Psychology Today directory listing, where you can pull it up, type in your zip code. You can also type in keyword searches, for instance, adolescent counseling, depression, anxiety, 
and it will pull up a whole list of therapist pictures, bios, credentials, payment information, and their treatment approach. Wow. And that's a wonderful way for, and all these people are, you have to be approved and vetted by psychology today, or you can't be on there. Your license has to be in good standing, but that's a wonderful resource. And also it can help the, the adolescent as well to kind of look at the picture, look at the bio and be able to see, Hey, does this person at least online seem to resonate with me? But it's a, that's a great resource too. And then word of mouth. If you know other parents or you've got people at church, pastors, children's ministry leaders, ask them what they've heard, where they've sent other students, where they have their own student seeking help. But those would be, those would be some helpful ways uh, to get started. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I didn't know about those. That's, those are some great resources. Um, any other advice that you'd have for parents as they parent in what, what I would say is probably one of the hardest times in the, in, in the wor- history of the world to be a parent? Um, I know there's been yes. trying times, but um, 2021, how, how, what other advice would you have for parents? Uh, maybe just a, a few other thoughts here. One is, is to be patient with yourself as a parent, especially if you're navigating something new for yourself. I mean, for, for us as parents, we're all navigating something new as well, in addition to caring for our kids. But in particular, for parents who are still adapting to working from home and having students, kids at home while they're doing that, be patient with yourself. Um, take care of your own mental health and spiritual health needs. Um, it's so important. It's such good modeling for your kids. And it's, it will help you stay grounded to be in a place that you can give from a place of energy and life rather than from depletion. Um, and then embracing the awkward, risking engaging with your kids so important. And then the final thing I would say is, um, especially because right now in the culture, this is no surprise to anybody, we are living in a culture where there is a tremendous amount of shaming, hating, and really canceling people who don't see things from our perspective. Yeah. And, and I've just met way too many parents who have some real blind spots in terms of how much they're participating in these kinds of behaviors. And it does impact the development of our kids and our adolescents. Wow. And so that it all boils down to that, that thought of, of you know, modeling life-affirming behaviors or to take it one step further for parents who are followers of Christ, we are people of the kingdom and the shaming, hating, washing our hands of people who don't see things our way and getting all involved in, in, in things that um, involve just treating other people with criticism and contempt. They are not the ways of the kingdom. And that significantly impacts our kids, what they hear and what they see. Yeah, that's good. 
Well, this has been super helpful. So thank you so much, Jenny, for um, coming on the podcast today. And uh, what's the easiest way if parents would like to reach out to you, what's the easiest way they can find you? They can find me at jennyheckman.com or feel free to email me. I'm a very low tech person. Uh, it's uh, jennyheckman67 at gmail.com. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Jenny. I know you care deeply about um, uh, the people in your realm of influence, uh, their mental health. And um, so we're both both trying to do our best to help uh, teenagers and, and a big part of that is helping their parents. So thank you for um, spending some time with us today. I uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for having me and for the ministry you do as well. Thanks for listening to this Northbrook Next Gen podcast. Be sure to check the show notes for relevant info and check back for more podcasts coming soon.